0: Snapp Production, Cheers. Market, the S&P, the ISX stocks. This is the Motley Fool Money Mailbag.
1: Welcome to Motley Fool Money, the very special Sunday Mailbag edition. I'm Scott Phillips. He is the founder and managing director of What is it again? That's right, Private Online Investment Club. And his name, hey, of course, you got it. Is Andrew Page. How are you, buddy? Very good, sir. Very good. How are you? There's only so well. There's only so long I can keep this joke going, but. It, i'm gonna do as long as i possibly can <laughs> doing, and so far doing so a bang good up job, yeah. when the listener numbers start to touch, you know, fall off precipitously i might have to stop until then we should be we should be okay um so let's start, let's go with that mate uh, thank you for joining me on a sunday because i pre-record this on a thursday but the theater of the mind says you and i are sitting here on a sunday morning at 8 a.m our listeners are enjoying the 8 a.m release which is also good so hey That's cool if we can make the people happy we're happy to make the people happy mate um can i start with a with a declaration you know, you know the thing about the crossover artists, right? You got the, the the Kylie Minogue goes from actor to singer, oh yeah, or Cody Simpson goes from singer to swimmer and then back to singer again. Has there ever been a crossover artist from podcast to singing that you know? of? Oh, uh, well, look, every man and his dog has a
0: podcast these days, so it it is guaranteed <laughs> to have happened somewhere. Guaranteed. Which one's the
1: man? Which one's the dog? Are you talking about us or someone else? No, no, no. no of course okay. not. No, we're we're <laughs> different. Totally different. <laughs> we're better than that. Everyone else. For years. exactly. That's yeah. right. We were there while it before it was cool, That's right. and we didn't help to make it cool. It just we're still uncool, and you know it's still more popular. That's okay too, <laughs> mate. Um, so I asked the question because I got a message from Thomas this week, and, uh, and Thomas. I mentioned I mentioned Jennifer Lopez and I mentioned remember I mentioned Benifer and Tom Cat, that kind of portmanteau oh, yeah. of the two names. And yeah. we had a correspondent called Scram, which was Scott and Ram, which I quite like. <laughs> Thomas has suggested that we get the singing game. Oh, come on. He he's no. penned some lyrics. He's penned some lyrics uh, I mentioned J Lo, and he thought of Jenny from you know Jenny from the Block, the Jennifer Lopez song. I, I, I'm, before, I'm not so box, out of touch to not know that. Yes, well, I, I yes. So I'm, I, that, mate, can I tell you that's about the last time I was in touch. Since then, <laughs> I couldn't tell you who does what. About, you know, there's apparently One Direction and, and some other. Like, I, I don't know. Anyway, so here is here is this is, this is my entry. This is my soft. Okay, by the way, if I had any if I had any degree of uh, of um, What's the word? I can't think of the word. That's how bad it is. Uh, if I had any sense of my own self worth, I wouldn't do this. But I don't. Uh, anything for a joke. Anything for a laugh. So here we go. This is Thomas's suggestion for our breakthrough single. A barely disguised cover of Jenny from the Block, and it starts. Don't be fooled by the stocks that we got. We're still, we're still scram from the block. You can invest a little or invest a lot. No matter where the stock price goes, I got to know. So I know I got to think long term. <laughs> so that's the uh, that's that that's Thomas's uh, Jenny from the block or Scram from the lock. That's that's not might. terrible. It's not terrible. Can we? Uh, not can great. We- not great. but it's not terrible. Can, can I count on you to uh, to give up this podcasting investing game and and. Form a, a pop duet with me and, and go and take on the charts. There's there's that old saying of um don't give up your day job, which I think is
0: <laughs> which I think is very apt. Considering we
1: don't get paid for the podcast, not giving that up to not start <laughs> something else that we are even worse at is uh is saying something. All oh. right, well yep. Thomas, I tried. We're not going to be scrammed from the block. At least not. Well, we will be for a very small number of people. Very, very small number of people. We got scram from the block. For everybody else, we're just those two blokes who do a podcast and should never, ever, ever sing. And that's not unreasonable. I was singing in the car. I was worried that mate. you were actually going to sing. I was second. going to actually. I was, I, bra- I, I, I was bracing. I got man. cold feet. I got cold feet at the very end of that. I thought, <laughs> "I can't oh, sing this." No, I can't sing this. Uh, I almost did. Uh, my young bloke. I was singing in the car. yesterday Dad, don't sing. <laughs> Fair enough. So yeah, that's that. That's story of my life. As, Good as instincts. I'm sure you're aware. Yeah. Yes. Well, oh, thank you very much. uh You've heard me sing. You would know. Can I tell you? though Karaoke. I'm I'm mad for karaoke. I know, I don't, you, I don't, I
0: know you are. I, know I don't what, even
1: mm. want to be up the front. I'm not I'm not one of the people who wants for the attention. I just love the sing along aspect. Yeah. I'm happy to stand down in the crowd and just sing along with at, at a karaoke, just there's something fun about it. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we move on? Let's. All right. Uh we <laughs> Slightly offended, mate We got, a, uh, we got a, an email from Mark Who says Discord and Andrew I found a renewed interest In the stock market During peak COVID Work from home period And opened a ComSec account I've listened to your podcast For over a year now And pretty much represent The type of Quotes Stock picking punter End quote You've often referred to Can I say I, I call people punters I was, I was told it was a bad thing was some, If, if we talk about the punters It's somehow derogatory Is that your take on these things? It
0: uh, depends on the context. I, I think yeah, that okay. it is a
1: an acceptable colloquialism. I generally. generally. too, right? Yeah. we're all part of, We're all punters. Like yeah, not, yeah, 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 Anyway, yeah. so I if guess, I have if I have yeah. used the phrase, I mean it. I mean it in a very collegial way. We're all we're all down in the gutter. Some looking at the stars, as they say, Andrew. Um, nice. Anyway, so uh, Mark says. Luckily, the less than handful of stocks I have in my portfolio, I'm happy with. And I do intend to keep them for the long term. Is I did buy this is in brackets, so take for I did buy and sell AGL within the last financial year. I made a nice profit, thanks to Mister Cannon Brooks and perhaps some comments from the likes of you. I'd right. love to take credit, but I don't think we ever suggested you make money buying AGL. I didn't anyway, so I'm not going to take any credit. Did you uh, encourage our listeners to follow Mike's lead?
0: I had a lot to say on the you did on, on MCB's move for it and, and AGL's general direction under the old uh, uh, team. Which I won't. I won't, I won't...
1: buy stocks. No, no, please. No, no, no never, um, never,
0: never would say that. But I, I was not. A, I was not a fan
1: of the direction that the the um yeah. No, I think that's we're fair. taking the business. <laughs> I in. agree with that. Yeah. Right. You know what? I, we should go back to this because actually, kind of everything's gone quiet with that. Now that now that of books running the place, there so it's going to be. I mean, this is earning season, right? So we will see that soon, I imagine. Yeah. Anyway,
0: although, although, of course, just just to be fair, um, mm-hmm. and I'll, I'll I'll out myself. There's a, there's a bit of a go man on. crush
1: that, that that is there. I, I think he's yeah. he's one
0: of the better billionaires. You know, choosing yep. Aussie billionaires, I, he's he's up the top compared to. You have others. been known
1: to send fluffy animals and roses to Mike. I hear. Oh man, he's I doing good.
0: You things. know, some some of them are out there funding. Um, you know, crazy think tanks to sort of influence yeah. policy for their own selfish interests, and others are trying yeah. to, you know, make the world a better place. So I know, I know who I back mm. anyway. And again, no names mentioned, but I would say that the vision and, and direction that that he's looking to take the company is mm-hmm. not going to be mm-hmm. evident for a long time. I mean, these are these That's are, are long term plans that you're not going to see for the next, you know, the next half yearly or mm-hmm. annual reports are, are going to show are going to reveal very little to the ultimate success or wisdom
1: in that move. What's a massive tangent. What's fascinating, mate, is we're going to... I, I think this is... It, there's a lot of pressure on him, quite honestly, because this is one of those situations where there's an active case study on... Not only is it good for the planet, or good for business, but kind of both. Because this is one of those situations where, yeah. you know, wh- whether whether he's financially successful or not, he's probably saved a truckload of carbon going into the atmosphere, right? So there's, there's going to be a net environmental benefit regardless. Whether or not he makes money for the company, though, whether this is... You know, activism, or activist capitalism is kind of... You know, it could could be fantastic. He could he could make a squillion dollars and save the planet, or he could actually lose a fortune and also still help save the planet. So it's one of those situations where I don't know. There's a lot of a lot of focus and attention as you say, multi year, multi year rollout. But uh, yeah, jury well and truly out as you say on the on the um, operational financial benefit. Uh, oh yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Ob- and, and, obvious environmental one.
0: On, on top of that, I would add that if the if the game here was to maximise return on investment. Yeah. This this is, you know, he could have done much better elsewhere. True. So true, true. I, I, I think that he's sensible enough that he's mm. doing this with a positive financial return, yeah. yeah, but just he would get far better returns in other areas. So it's kind of, look, when you've got a couple billion dollars, I think you can you <laughs> probably, if you look back and go, I only made 4% compound on this, it's sort yeah. of, you know... Yeah. And and I and I was a massive force for good. I, I think I think you're in a, you have a a position of luxury to be able to do that. But yeah, I'm, able,
1: I'm,
0: <laughs> I'm not kidding myself though. I don't I don't think yeah. this is. You turn around and go, this is going to be like investing in you know um, Netflix when it was when it first listed or something like that. Like far Bitcoin, from,
1: Andrew. Perhaps. <laughs> well, best Let's best, move on. best best returning <laughs> investment in history, baby. Let's move on. Um, he says now the question says Mark, if. Someone is going to put $1,000 or so into an ETF regularly, as you've so often suggested, once or twice, with a view of not selling and letting the market do its thing. Would that same person not be better off putting that money into their super fund, even if they did cross the non-concessional threshold? I appreciate the challenge of the question when it comes to personal advice and taxation, but I reckon the two of you will have a fair go at it. Cheers, Mark. And then he says, P.S. Perhaps a comparison of the Vanguard Australian Shares ETF to Australian Super Balanced Fund, for example. And he talks about it from 2010 to 2020. Uh, assuming $1,000 per month when each of them uh, is start to answering the question. Full on from Mark. Ram, well, I'm going to grab this from two perspectives and I'll get you to jump in. We've answered this type of question a few times. I was going to say, it's come up, come up a lot lately. Yeah, But what I thought, why, why I wanted to cover this one, mate, was the PS. Because the different Super is not just an ETF inside Super. And so this is, you know, because Andrew, Andrew, uh, Mark says, what if we just compared, say, the Vanguard Australian shares with Australian Super's balanced fund? And I guess that's kind of the key difference. And this is why I wanted to address this one, mate, is because the average super balanced, air quotes, I hate the, t- the terminology as our listeners know, fund, has cash and property and other things in it. And so you're actually not comparing apples for apples. So if you were saying, would I invest in an ETF in my own name or the same ETF inside Super, that's the question we get asked regularly. This one from Mark was a broader one of I can invest in the ETF mode name or I could just put money into a balanced super fund. And I think that's where I would just make the a clearer point that these are not the same assets. Super is not just shares. And for good and bad reasons, I think people take too little risk in super, particularly those with multi-decade horizons. We've talked about that before, but that's why I just want to address it mate because you know, the same asset inside or outside super is one question but if you start to say a generic super fund Australian super is fine it's our default one at work um, no issues with it but the balanced fund will return less than shares over time in all likelihood no guarantees in all likelihood because cash is a drag property tends to underperform shares over time and so net 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 uh, they are very very different things Mark and so I just want to make that particular point yep yep
0: that's the point Anything well else made to add? Yep, yep, and the, and the only other thing, just just to reiterate, for if anyone's missed the recent sort of mm. discussion on it, it was it was mm. all else being equal, super is is far more tax advantaged. So yeah, if you've got a choice between structures, that's that is the way to go. Mm-hmm. Just be aware that there's an opportunity cost with that because you can't touch it until you retire, and then there is a sovereign risk if that's the right term for it, in the sense that the government could could change the rules of the game yeah. along the way. Um, but all else being equal, it's yeah pay less tax and you've got more money to compound so, so it's a better way to go beautifully put
1: uh, let's get a question from Joe He's a hi Scott and Andrew and then in bold please only use my first name can I say again to our listeners if you're going to ask me to not use your name or only use your first name please put it at the front rather than the end of the question because by the time I get to the end of the question it will surprise people. Andrew to know that we don't do a whole lot of pre-planning on this show <laughs> and so uh, if, if I've already read your name and then this says oh and by the way please don't mention my name decent chance it's too late so just, just for the record um, but Joe he sends this one through He says Please don't use my first name Which I have Thank you for your informative And enjoyable podcasts He says Here's a hypothetical Or at least an alternative view He says Instead of raising interest rates To slow demand Could we instead Temporarily increase The superannuation guarantee levy To be clear This will mean a reduction In take home pay With no cost to the employer This should reduce spending today But improve retirement incomes Perhaps quite significantly It seems much fairer, given there are around 13 million of us paying into super, but only 6 million mortgages. And relatively few of these are large. For someone without a mortgage, but with a decent income, what the RBA does with interest rates has no impact on their spending. But the person next door could be about to lose their house. That seems harsh, says Joe. Of course, a temporary increase in the superannuation guarantee levy would still have to hurt a bit to reduce spending. But let's share the pain. He says in brackets, well, although those on low incomes should be excluded. This idea doesn't impact the borrowing cost of business, which could be a good or bad thing, so that may still mean there's a need to raise rates on business loans, or perhaps not, if business needs help. So, what are your thoughts on using the superannuation guarantee levy to slow spending? Cheers, Joe. I love the thinking here, Am. I'm going to let you go first on the answer. All I'm going to say is I've not heard it mentioned anywhere else, and it'll be a political minefield, and God help us, the... Um, former government would go nuts but separating the, the politics and whatever as a concept how would that go relative to the idea of using interest rates oh, man i love it it's such an out-of-the-box thinking um
0: which we need more of i think um we're so myopically focused just on interest rates which we've often lamented um so i love it my mind is racing as as you were talking there because the the trick the tricky thing is with any of these kinds of proposals it's the unintended mm. consequences mm. that aren't that aren't immediately obvious so i so i'm a little reluctant to sort of say that's a great idea or it's a terrible idea because <laughs> it requires yeah. a lot of thought and i'm sure if my my initial knee jerk reaction well actually my, my initial knee jerk reaction is kind of like that kind of like it a lot actually mm, mm, mm. um uh but I'm I'm also very nervous that having <laughs> meditated on it for a little bit, you might go, "Oh, I didn't yeah, think about yeah. that thing over there." Mm. So mm. that's that's a real cop out of an answer. Mm. But I just mm. I love I, I wish I wish we had a bit more um, a, a bit more mm. as I say out of the box thinking on, on these on these things. We, we are we yeah. are such slaves to well, it's always been done that way. In, yes, exactly. in business and life and everything you know it's just mm, mm. Some, sometimes you've got to come at it from a completely fresh angle
1: mm, good point but i yeah, uh no I, I i i'd like it too um There's a massive political ideological pressure here, right? So there's a whole lot of people yelling at the podcast machine right now about how terrible it would be for compulsory. It's our money, all that kind of stuff, which I think is absolute, complete tosh. I love our listeners, but seriously, that's tosh. Uh, Yes, it's your money, but it's your money held in trust for your retirement. That's what it's for. It's not your money to do with what you you please, otherwise it wouldn't be compulsory and it wouldn't be superannuation. I'm sorry if that offends you. It's just the reality and you're going to have to deal with it. Um... How's that for punchy? Um, I you uh, so
0: correspondence to Scott? That's right. Not to me.
1: Unusually, that's right. Not to Andrew this time. Most of the time, you send to Andrew, not this time. Um, so there's that. I think it's a great idea, mate. I, I think there is... So there's a couple of potential wrinkles. The first is low-income earners that Joe hi- highlights. Um, but a lot of those are probably paying... Um, uh, mortgages, anyway, and it would probably exclude welfare recipients of different forms whose welfare payments wouldn't be impacted. I guess I'm using welfare in the broadest term, not just uh, dull, but everything uh, single parent, carer, uh, pension, uh, age pension, war widows, all that kind of stuff. So, um, i think it's a really really smart idea i think the the probability is those earning uh particularly larger amounts can can deal with it for those who are saying but hang on you take more money out of my pocket i've got to pay the bills that's exactly what internet rises do like that's that's entirely their point right so it's not it's not an and it's an or uh, which i think would make sense i actually also like the idea of spreading the the i'll say pain because it is more broadly Mm. um i think that makes a whole lot of sense and frankly again as joe mentions it actually boosts income for right that's that i mean it's it's a beautiful solution it's Mm. quite elegant um because not just you know when you pay higher rates who gets the money well savers do and, and some savers out there listening to this by the way who aren't on income so self-funded retirees listening right now joe was saying hang on <laughs> you know i like the higher rates thank you very much i get some more of my money um and by the way they wouldn't be touched by this because it would be uh superannuation guarantee um but some version of that would make some sense joe uh, you could actually potentially this is speaking of politically unpalatable you go one step further and actually make an arbitrary uh tax collection uh, and then use that money to put back into super. So you hit everybody uh, who, who earned an income, not just those who are contributing to superannuation. That is most people, but you might pick up, for example, capital gains or dividend income, which again, most of our listeners will hate. Uh, but conceptually, if you're not earning an income, you're probably not, contri- uh, sorry, a, a wage, you're probably not contributing to super. So um, you, it wouldn't impact you if you hit a, a tax-like issue. Uh, uh, you, could, you could channel it still on superannuation and be fine. But there are other ways of doing it. I mean, I, I, Joe, I think this is probably a smart idea. The business one is a really good question you ask. Um, so that's that's important. The other thing I would mention, just the, the, the other wrinkle, which probably I need to think a bit more about is there's a reality in a globalized world on interest rates where the relative rate also matters. So the rate, the average rate relative to the US rate or the UK rate or the Japanese rate matters in terms of foreign exchange and trade. And so there's kind of, you know, when all rates go up and down together, you keep some sort of parity. If US rates went up, but our rates stayed low and we put my money into super instead, uh, there's an open question as to, as to what that would do. My last thought, Joe, really quickly is, I think your point is right, but it would need to start with some sort of relatively neutral interest rate. <clears throat> Excuse me, rather, rather than now and I don't know if you ask most economists they would say where we've come from which was 0.1% official cash rate was super, super, super expansionary or stimulatory and if you're going to start to if you if you only increase superannuation guarantee from that point in other words it makes 0.1% the base interest rate if you like um, the general general accepted wisdom and your point Ram just because it's always been doesn't mean it's always has to be or it's even right um, but that general idea would just be a question of you know at what neutral rate do you start increasing or decreasing the superannuation guarantee level? because it would need to go the other way as well mm. when you went back down again and so if we're going to lower rates at some point um, then it would kind of need to you want to have let's say let's say superannuation guarantee gets to 12% let's call it the number because it makes life easier you want the 12% to be taken out at neutral interest rates and then that in theory would go up at some point but also potentially back down at some other point uh, so you just need to kind of coordinate that together um, so you knew what you were adding, what you're subtracting and, and what the kind of the the neutral cash rate was on the actual interest itself. Um, I don't think we want to abandon interest rates altogether. They have a role to play in the economy, which set prices and set foreign exchange or influence both those things. I should say not set for influence both those things. So I don't know you could do away with it entirely at a national level and ignore the international implications. Just some just some additional thoughts to yours, Brad. Yeah, nice, nice. I like it. <clears throat> Any more on that? No, no. Let's, let's hey, move um, on. James says, Hi, Scott and Andrew. I'm a huge fan of your work. You're a very easily pleased man, James, but thank you. And incredibly grateful for this highly educational and free resource you provide all us fools. My question is in regards to investing on behalf of young children. Less than two years ago, says James, I was blessed with my first child. And like most new parents, I was immediately humbled with the need to be responsible and a desire to further succeed. We know that feeling, mate. Although owning property and other appreciating assets, I wanted to do something specifically for my daughter. And so I started reading as many books as I could. Originally, I thought I'd buy her shares in a company or gold or whatever. But the more I learned and the more I read, the more uneducated I realised I was. Man, that's, uh, what do they say, the beginning of wisdom? is realising how little you know. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, I realised that as a reasonably well-paid 33-year-old, I needed to grow wealth myself, as eventually this wealth will be hers. So now, two years later, I have a portfolio, mostly dividend-paying stocks and or ETFs, he says. I'm quite proud of and continuing to grow each month. Well done, mate. That's fantastic. Mm. On occasion, I still quiz the idea of doing something more specific for my daughter but I don't often see this avenue promoted as I believe therein lies some tax implications. Yeah, Mm -hmm. unfortunately, that's true. Mm -hmm. Scott, you recently mentioned, he says, you do something similar for your son, which triggered this question for me to hopefully trigger more of a discussion at your end. So to summarise my long story, is focusing on one's own general wealth for the greater good of their family the best approach for generational wealth? Or are specific portfolios for children a wise alternative? Or perhaps in addition to a diverse portfolio? All the very best. And that's from James, um, mate. I'll grab this one first. He mentions my example. I'll just re-talk about what I do and why, and then I'll get you to jump in. Yep. Um, so, James, it, it's it's all it's all mental accounting, because if I put money aside for my young bloke, uh, I could do it in my own name and my own account and give him some of that at some point now or when I die, uh, or I could do it in his own name and do it the same way, or I could do it in a separate account, and it's all it's all mental accounting because it's all the same amount of money I earn, and I invest a certain amount of money each month, and some of that is either you know, mentally or actually separated for him. Um, It's all in my name, by the way, uh, for tax reasons that I will mention very briefly. But uh, that's just kind of the, uh, so, you know, it's mostly mental accounting. The questions for me are, how much money do I want to allocate to my young bloke and when do I want him to get it? Uh, Because that kind of is the answer, right? In terms of growing wealth for yourself versus growing wealth for your daughter in this case or for my son. Um, You know, when do I want him to have access to that money? And I haven't actually finalised that decision, really honestly. We had a listener last week, so they were surprised we hadn't come to these answers on these things, and that's still, uh, they're going to be equally disappointed with this answer um, because I don't know yet what I'm going to do. I want to leave both my young blokes, at one's 26, one's nine, very different ages. I want to leave them both a decent inheritance. Um, that's, that's absolutely our aim. At the same time, by the time I fall off the perch, if I make it to 98 and a half, um, they're both going to be reasonably old, and, and the, the need or the opportunity to use it for say a house, for example, or for something else will be passed. But by that time, hopefully if they do live for that long, they'll have a really, really nice amount of money they can hopefully pay off whatever remaining mortgage they have and go from there. So you've kind of got these decisions about when do they get the money? What do you want want them to use it for? What are you trying to help them with? And there is no easy answer and there's no single answer and there's no perfect answer. Uh, So I don't know. I am separating the money out for two reasons. One is that at some point I will let him help me choose the shares we invest in and that becomes educational as well as a financial tool for him. Uh, I'm sipping it out because it makes it easier at the point of distribution, either maybe it's 18 or 21 or 25 or 29 or when he buys a house or 65 or I don't know, whatever it'll be. No idea. Um, It will be... uh, It's a separate pool of money and it mentally makes that easier, an easier transfer, easier conversation. It doesn't need to. There's no reason for it to. If I had... I don't know. So I had half a million dollars in investments at some point and i say, here's a hundred of that for you, mate. I, I, that could have been from scratch in a separate account or it could have been in the same account or it could be never. It could be, you know, there's, there's no easy answer, no, no, no clear best answer. It's just a mental accounting question of when when do you want to put it together and when do you want to separate it? Um, so honestly, that's that's my view. So um, I don't know when we will, and it be a decision for me and my wife, not just me, obviously. I don't know when we'll tell him about it. I don't know when we'll give him the money. I really don't know. My guess is, It'll probably be for um, a house deposit at some point. Is, is the most likely scenario when he might be able to use that money. Uh, and then at some point when he's getting closer to retirement, he'll have an inheritance from us because we're not going to live that long. Uh, and that's probably the, the extra bit. Um, yeah, I don't have a good answer. That, that's my best. That's my best thought as to how I'm thinking about why I'm doing it separately. In, my, in it's in my name, not his name, because. Uh, just quickly, James, as you say, the tax implications for kids are ridiculous. It's a nightmare. Um, it's just stupid. And stupid. it's not the government's fault this time. Normally it's the government's fault. This time it's our fault. Um, we all screwed with the tax rules so significantly. The tax office eventually went, well, this is dumb. You can't do that anymore. Stop doing it. Um, you idiots. And they, people are idiots. It, it, we are our own worst enemy. Trying to save money on tax, they screwed it for everybody else. As so often is the case, it's the few who wreck it for the majority. Um, so yeah, I could have done it as Scott Phillips, as trustee for him, or I could do it in my own name. Realistically, it might have made the capital, uh, the, the transfer at some point tax-free, but you have to pay tax when he sold eventually. Um, not tax-free as in the, there's no tax on it at all, but there wouldn't be tax to pay at the point of transfer. Um, mm. There will be under this scenario, but at the end of that, when he sold the shares to do whatever he wanted with the money, he would have to pay the full amount of tax anyway. So it's a it's a time issue rather than anything else. And I'll probably leave it in my name, honestly, until such time as he sells the shares, the the tax will come out of the, the proceeds and he'll get the, what's left over. He's, what's probably going to happen yeah um yeah i, I hope that's it's not, i was gonna say i hope that's clear it's not clear at all james i hope i've I hope i've explained the thoughts and the options and, and the why's and what's at the end of the day i chose to make it separate so that i have a so that my wife and i have a separate account for him we know that's what the money's for uh we know how much it is we don't have to worry in next year's time about how much do we want to give him of what we have we're just kind of accruing it and compounding it separately just makes it a, a mentally easier process um, yeah, that, that's about that's about as hard as and easy as it gets,
0: Ram. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do it the same. The kids, I don't have anything in trust for them or anything. It's just too hard.
1: Mm. Um, yep.
0: So they'll they'll, <laughs> they'll get it at some point. Yeah. And yeah. and frankly, I don't really want them to know too yeah. much about it. I certainly don't want them to think that there's a pile of money waiting for them. Yeah. I, I you, Buffett has this oh, wonderful saying. He says, "You want to give your kids enough money so that they would feel they could do anything." But not mm. so much that they could do nothing. Yeah, it's which, good, which line, I isn't it? Just love. He's like so. Yeah. in yeah. so many ways, he's got away a yeah. with words. But but that is now Buffett's children in a very different situation than my children.
1: <laughs> um, so they're
0: never going to have the option of doing nothing. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah. So look, at, at some point, and, I, and I, frankly, I, I i it will yeah. depend on the on my kids as, as individuals, yeah. how mature yeah. and worldwise they, I feel as though they are, they it may be mm. that at 21. They're ready to, to, to have a, have a bit of a, mm. um, uh, transfer or, or maybe that's when they're 40. <laughs> we'll, we'll find out. Mm. We'll find out mm. when we get there. Um, the 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 more interesting thing, and again we've touched on in, in recent episodes, is getting them involved in the process of what yeah. investing is. Is trying to nurture that <laughs> mm-hmm. delayed gratification instinct. <laughs> yeah. That yeah. that and I know with my kids in particular, that's a hard thing. They mm. they would not pass the marshmallow test. Let's just put it, <laughs> let's just put it that way. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and there's, we've had some great suggestions from people. There's, there's a lot mm-hmm. of different ways to do it. This is going to sound like an overt plug, but it's just the truth of it. Um, so, with Strawman, you can create a paper money portfolio. Mm-hmm. So, it was actually just a couple of weeks ago, my, my boy was sort of asking stuff about it. And I said to him, so, we, we give you $100,000 in play money and you can go and buy and sell shares. Because <laughs> he was like, oh, I want to set up an account. And I want to do this. And oh, I just awesome. said, well, here you go. Cre- awesome. Create a free account. I'm going to call it a hundred bucks and yeah, whatever you can grow it to um, we'll we'll cash it out for you. It's just, you know, you, you, you have to, you have um, to wait at least a year, which mm, is still very short mm, term, but you know, a year is eternity for a 12 year old. Um, So it's a way to sort of get him involved in that and get Mm, that mm. education going. The downside, the double-edged sword there is, is that it, it, it can tempt you more towards a speculative bent yeah. so you've got to be you got to be careful that the right lessons are learned <laughs> um, but yeah look in a nutshell yes I want to provide for my kids as much as I possibly mm-hmm. can mm-hmm. without without making them too comfortable and I want to but I'm more focused on on it's the whole teacher man, to fish versus give a fish kind of scenario, yep. and I'm yep. I'm far more in, I'm far more worried about not more worried, but I'm far, more, far yeah. more focused on making sure my kids would learn the right lessons and the importance of just being fiscally responsible and
1: investing mm-hmm. for, for, for the future. Yeah, smart man, I like it. Um, we are about to. I told my envelope, we're about to. Um, so he's got different bits of pocket money. He gets money collecting cans. He gets money from relatives stuff for birthdays and that sort of thing. We're about to start the spend, save, invest, give. Allocation thing, which he's going to hate, because every ten dollars he earns, he might only be able to spend six or seven of that, and that's going to be painful. And that's that's okay. Um, but for exactly that reason. And we'll actually put money aside. He said to me, uh, I said, we'll invest some. He said, is that all or are you going to give me some money to invest too? I said, no, I'll probably give you some money to invest. Um, he, he does understand the value of a dollar, not exactly the value of earning a dollar, but certainly knows what it's like to make and spend money. So i um, hoping that that, uh, that process will start to work and I'll let him start choosing some stocks. And again, it's not about how much money they make. I've said before, um, people say, how do you start investing for kids? There's two ways. One is invest in the best possible stocks you can find and, and max- maximize the amount of money they earn. The other is do what you can do to actually get them involved in the process. And I'll probably be going down the second path, which is buying stuff he knows, even if it's not a great investment or the best investment. Because just thinking like an owner, delayed gratification, understanding, compounding, thinking about the businesses themselves, those are the lessons I want him to learn. I could buy him shares in some weird ETF or some B2B business you've never heard of and it's just, you know, no, money going You, up you be want, want
0: Woolies, Coles Bunnings you know those, right. the kind of things totally. that they're going to encounter in their day to day Telstra bank in there or whatever Yeah or you exactly. walk in and you walk yeah. past it you go hey you own you own a bit of that you know that's yeah. pretty cool Motley full Money For more subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener
1: One for another James Hi Scott and Ram he says thanks for your terrific podcast and reassuring voice During this market turbulence, without it, I'm sure I'd be selling rather than buying regularly. I'm glad we have helped, James. My question relates to how you think about what companies to buy during these market downturns. In short, says James, I'm torn. Given how broadly share prices have been smashed, I've been licking my lips that I can finally buy shares in some big companies that have for a long time been very inflated. He says, mm. Google, Microsoft, zero, etc. I mm. own shares in Google, for the record. Mm. They have been seriously knocked down. And even if we continue to sh- see share prices depressed for a while, I feel like they are very safe companies with strong balance sheets that are in great... Sorry, that are great, put-in-the-bottom-draw investments. But some smaller growth-type stocks are down 50 60 even 70%. People are obviously worried about potential dilution, and in some cases, the broad risks to the companies should we have a recession. Having said that, the opportunity for upside is much larger. So my question is, how do you balance your investing in these types of different stage companies given the current market conditions? Mm. Well, I'm sure the answer will be, it depends, or a little bit of both. <laughs> yep. You know as well, James. I'm keen to hear your thoughts. Thanks, James. Andrew, mm. does it depend? It depends. <laughs> yeah. so I love that's what we have time for now.
0: Well, uh, James James is thinking exactly the right thing. We were lamenting the other the other day yeah. on Friday's podcast how it's so frustrating that mm. you can only really get people interested when when the bulls are <laughs> yeah. running and when the bears come out, everyone's like <laughs> oh, not not interested.
1: So frustrating, so freaky, really crazy.
0: I mean, it's perfectly understandable, yep. Yep. of course. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, know, but nature. but it's but, but James is James is, James gets it, yeah. and um, yep. and yep. that's great. Um I I the only I would slightly modify the phrasing here. I know this is where James is coming from, but it's it's not nothing is good value because it's come down. It's good value uh, if yes, it if yes, it is yes. below a fair appraisal of its intrinsic value. Let me break mm. that down a little bit. A company has a real value. No one knows what exactly it is. It's like Buffett says we can define it exactly. We can't calculate it exactly because we we need we need to know the future to calculate it exactly. But in terms of definitions, the value of any business is just the the value of all of the cash flows, all of all yep. of the free cash flows it will yep. ever throw off. This is money that it doesn't need to reinvest or retain. So after all yes. profits are paid, after yes. all necessary yes. investments are accounted for, um, and then we just discount that back to account for the value of time, because one hundred dollars today is worth more than one hundred dollars mm. in ten years' time, just through yep. inflation and opportunity cost and all that good stuff. Yep. yep. Um, so that's exactly what it is. And and mm. I think, I think zero is a great example. I love zero. I think zero is mm. an outstanding company, no mm. question. Um, it's come back a long way. Um, it's currently trading at fourteen times sales. Now that's still a
1: lot, mate. That's look. You, I, well, you have been around the block a few times, <laughs> and it's not a small company either. By the way, fourteen times sales for a tiny company is different to fourteen times sales for a business that's valued at fourteen. It's a fourteen four billion, billion dollar company. Yeah, right, yeah. and
0: and and it's got a billion dollars in in revenue. Now yeah. it's actually got much, 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 much less than that in actual profit because it's in a growth phase and expansion, mm-hmm. and that's not a, necessarily a bad thing. But mm-hmm. it was what was it one hundred and sixty bucks almost, not yeah. not till one hundred and fifty bucks, not too long ago. So, so, 96 that it is today looks very cheap. Yes, sir. Right. Oh, I'm going to have eggle over my face in five, <laughs> year, five years' time when this is $500 <laughs> a share. But I On guess August 12, <laughs> 2022,
1: <laughs> yeah. Andrew said. Yeah, exactly.
0: So it's kind of, um, but I, just in terms of the, the mental exercise here, it's sort of, yeah. it looks, well, it is, look, I guess we can say definitively it is better value now than
1: it was at the middle of last year. Can both. I just quickly say, mate, it doesn't necessarily need to be because the business could have got worse. Zero isn't that case, but I just want to, just for the oh, sake of adding point. to your point. Good point. Businesses aren't, businesses, it, it, the same, it, ceteris paribus, as my economics teacher taught me, Love all it. else being equal, if nothing else changes, yep. cheaper is better value. Yes. And, uh, and, and falling prices should, in theory, mean that's better value than it used to be. Yep. It is possible, in the same context, though, for a business to have deteriorated quality-wise over that period of time, where a business you know that's worth you know uh, d- overvalued by two to one at ten dollars is still massively overvalued at five dollars because the business gets even worse in the meantime.
0: Hundred percent, hundred percent, and and so that's yeah, right. Just to- no, no. It's a really important point, point. and and, and the, the the broader point is this: is that you need to sort of figure out a is it a good company mm-hmm. that I want to yep. own. Well, yes. yeah, yep. Zero? Tick. Tick tick tick. Big fat tick. <laughs> yeah. Love it. Yep. Love it. Yep. Um is it available at a price that is sensible? Mm. Well, mm. maybe it's sensible and, and it there are absolutely scenarios where that makes sense and it is cheap, but it but but at those kinds of multiples, it it requires very, yeah. very aggressive yep. and sustained growth. Yep. And eventually very, very high margins, which which is what the market is expecting, by the way. But, but the kind of trouble I have with these kinds of companies, it's kind of like, okay, well, let's say it happens when it's priced in, right? It's a, even if even if sales grow fifty percent this year, it's still ten times earnings, uh, ten times sales, right?
1: So it's That's sort right. of like it, that means put that and in. And by a, the way, ten times sales isn't cheap. Like anything times sales is still. We talk about time sales because it's still no earnings. Who was it that so put would, it? You, you're go on. well. Someone, someone, I forget who it was. A famous CEO said, "Okay, let's think about
0: this. So, I'm available at ten times sales." I'm going to get rid of all my costs. So now there's no costs. And I continue to be able to sell everything I'm selling for free. I just, it just doesn't cost me anything to do it. And then everything right. I make, I'm going to pay you back. I'm going to pay you in full. So every dollar yeah. I make in sales, which and these sales are magically don't cost me mm-hmm. anything. I'm going to pay to you. It yeah. still takes you a decade to get your money yes. back. Get your money back. Yep. Great. Exa- great point. That is the way to think about it. Yep. Right.
1: Yep, um, And 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 that yeah, still can be useful. By the way, Amazon at some point was some time some number times sales at 100 bucks a share. Yeah. So we're yeah. not saying they can't go up and it can't be worth it. Just we kind of almost say 10 times sales or you know 5 times would be okay so are still not making any money. i got frenzy one i got frenzy one shares
0: in zero and they would say yeah but Andrew, they are going to compound their top line at 40% yeah. and,
1: they or, well.
0: and 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 eventually when they at maturity they'll probably be trading at a 30% net margin and they'll be able to do that for many decades because they are they just become the accounting the system for for small businesses around the world yep. small to yep. medium enterprises around the world and when you add up all, just to your own definition, Andrew, if you add up mm-hmm. all of that and discount it back at say ten or fifteen percent, it's still worth more than it is today. That's the argument. Mm-hmm. And I'm not—I don't want to get into that argument.
1: All I want to say is that's the bet that you're making. So it's not—I don't want to. And turn by the way, to to justify the current price, not not there's a lot of upside from the current price. Not the current price is cheap. <laughs> that's just to justify the current price. That's you to, still want to beat. You sort yes. to keep up with the market and then beat the market from here. Yep.
0: Yep, and so this isn't to get into the, the the investment merits for for zero per se, but just to sort of outline the the thinking that is there. And I know that James, you're not you're not coming at it from that, but just to mm. clarify that point. Yes, it's come down, but not necessarily yep. enough. And then he makes this excellent point, which is, well, then there are other companies that have also had these huge mm-hmm. falls. Mm-hmm. Which I'll, I'll throw out. I only, I was just thinking about it yesterday, and it's a well hackneyed example for me. But there's a company called Catapult. And they they do sports analytics and stuff. <laughs> they've been growing their top yeah, line at twenty yeah, yeah. percent compound for a long time. Um, yeah. And just to use just to, apples with apples, they're at a less than three times sales multiple. And yeah. they are probably at least five times bigger than the nearest competitor. They're used by Real Madrid and the you know the Dallas Broncos in you know, all the major sporting teams in the world. And they've got a huge huge <laughs> runway of growth. And yeah. again, I'm not here to spruik it but, it, but it does come back to this idea of opportunity cost. So, so to tie this all together, the question is, when you forget about yesterday, you've blinked into existence, all of a sudden you find yourself here and now, and you've got X dollars, and you've got a Y opportunity set. You need to look at all of those opportunities and say, which is the most attractive company at the most attractive price right now? And... There's going to be a lot of thumb sucking there, so I'm going to sort of spread that around a little bit. But I probably want to find the ten or twenty best opportunities <laughs> yeah. within all of that. Yeah. I personally, I know, I know the the industry as a whole puts all of this well. Oh, big big blue chip is better and, and small cap is risky. I think it's just BS. It's absolutely true from a volatility standpoint, but I I'd say there's a bunch of companies outside of the ASX 300 that are far less risky than AGL or Telstra or other mm-hmm. things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh so so if if volatility doesn't ma- matter to you too much, and there are, by your own admission, james, a lot of really attractive opportunities out there, as long as they've got strong balance sheets, reliable cash flows, good runways for growth, good sales momentum, attractive management, tick tick tick, you know all et cetera, et cetera, mm. et cetera, mm. then yeah mm. i'd I'd lean i'd well I, I would and do lean lean that way and mm. and uh, zero or or for one of a you know any other company x. That remains attractive. Just sits on a watch list because someday <laughs> the situation will change. <laughs> maybe, maybe just yeah. a, you might yeah, maybe right. catapult five x's from here, and catapult drops thirty yeah. percent, and then all of a sudden they go, well. And here is the great thing about the market: the jockey can get off a horse halfway through the race and mm-hmm. jump on the na- mm-hmm. the other horse. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah. I, I can I can always yep. do that. And uh, yeah. yeah, anyway, I am rambling at this point.
1: No, it's a good point, mate. Um, can, can I say, because people love your... I, I was impressed you pronounced Real Madrid correctly, but you did manage to com- to merge the Dallas Cowboys and the Denver Broncos. Oh, the, the Denver did. <laughs> I'm not a, don't like it. It I like, don't know my sports very well. I was going to call you out. I was like, maybe they did change the name. I said, like, no, it's definitely... Denver Broncos and the Dallas Cowboys. Well, I, I, should I, should like said, I should have
0: kept it local. So, like, the, the Wallabies when, when
1: the, and the Australian cricket
0: team. And- when
1: the Dallas Cowboys and the Denver Broncos merged to become the Dallas Broncos, <laughs> you heard it here first on this podcast. Thanks for correcting not, me. Not, not only did it on the 12th of August, did you... Um, did you predict that uh, Zero was going to Go to the moon Or whatever you said But uh, also there's going to be A major merger in the NFL yep. Mate um, <laughs> I, I, I love the point You made The point you made um, A couple of things for me uh, Microsoft So you, you mentioned Microsoft And some, some growth companies rather right? than are down 50, 60, 70% Yep On the 31st of December 1999 Yeah Turn of the century Ish depending on when You believe the century started But that's a whole Different conversation $58 For Microsoft shares Then the dot-com crash happened. Mm. They didn't get back to $58 until 2016. Mm. 17 years in the wilderness, right? Now, that's a big deal. At the same time, the NASDAQ fell 80% in the dot-com crash, and many companies went stone motherless broke. Mm. Webvan, Pets.com, the third category, the aforementioned Amazon... That got absolutely destroyed. Went from one hundred to nine, and then back to three thousand. I've got, to, I've got to update those numbers for the splits. I haven't done it in my head yet, so let me do it later. But something close to ten cents, because I think they split thirty to one. Anyway, doesn't mm, matter. Mm. My point is, there are those three groups, and if you'd asked in on well, the thirty first of September, nineteen ninety nine, or in the dot com crash, which one should I buy, it would have depended, right? And I think that's where Andrew, your point is really, really valid. If you if you put together the likes of Um, uh, the Microsoft example you know they've fallen will they recover will they recover quickly will it take 15 years don't know those are down 70% are they Amazon or are they Pets.com or Webvan or one of those other businesses that went broke and never came back even Yahoo never recovered to its former glory and so you've got three different reasons to think about how to invest right now now you're asking us the question by the way so I'm going to give you an answer rather than just throw more questions at you and then walk away um, but I just want I wanted to highlight those <coughs> excuse me I wanted to highlight those ideas because individually they're really good examples of the different paths and different futures it just so happens because you mentioned Microsoft I, I kind of went back and checked the dot .com crash and it was a really nice example because we're not necessarily there at the moment my point is to Andrew's point some crash never came back because they were massively overvalued some went broke some just never retained their former glory because they were just stupidly priced and the market got dumb and You know, so, you know, when they're down 70%, are they Amazon? Maybe. Are they Webvan? Maybe. Are they Yahoo? Maybe. Are they Microsoft? Maybe. Um, And there's a million different options there. So I say that because the answer, as Andrew says, and I'm going to just repeat some of what you said, mate, is it depends what's going to do better from here. You can't look at the past and say, they're down by this much, therefore I should, dot, dot, dot. I actually agree with you that um, often the ones, the big companies are down a little bit, are probably not the best ideas. You know, the people say, and we've said it before on this podcast, oh, I'd love to buy a CSL if it fell to whatever. If CSL falls 20%, other stuff's probably going to fall 50 or 60%. Mm. You know, and, and some of that will justifiably still be overvalued at that point, but others will be a lot cheaper. Mm. And so the time to buy the big caps, I mean, there's always a chance, right? And, and there's always... And by the way, I should say, Microsoft, having done all that, um, then went, you know, got back to its $58 share price or so in 2016, and then went from $58 up to 300 so it five-bagged from there over the next five years after that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't, you know, it, you know the, the time to buy Microsoft actually wasn't after the fall because it fell. It was any time after that. And then particularly more, more recently when it then absolutely went to the ro- you know, through the roof. And so, you know, what's the, what's the best air quotes time to buy Microsoft? Well, anytime time during that period of time, as it turns out. But, you know, it wasn't necessarily in the shadow of the fall. It was, it was actually 10, 15 years later before, it, before that, the kind of cloud resurgence took over and it took off. Now you're not saying just by Microsoft. I get that, but you are using that as an example. I own shares in Google. I like them. I think they're worth buying. Um, they're not dirt cheap, but they're pretty inexpensive. If you're looking for some large cap growth, it's very hard to go past. Really hard to go past. Uh, I think it's one of the safer growth businesses in the world. Um, doesn't mean it's going to grow. Doesn't mean it's cheap. Doesn't mean the share price is going to go up. I just that's my that's my view. Mm. Will there be others that grow faster? Yeah. And to your point, to Andrew's point, looking for those businesses that are on. You know, that that are the Microsoft 1995, not 1999. I mean, this was was a $3 stock in 1994. The fact that, you know, it was a $60 stock, 20-fold later, five years later, great return. Of course, then it crashed back to, what, $20 at some point and then went from there. So, you know, it'll also be variable. That's the other thing is the market's not going to tell you whether you're right or wrong. We've said before. um, Whose quote is it? Uh, Is it Buffett's or Linda Graham's? You are neither right nor wrong because the market agrees with you. You're right because your data and reasoning are right. Yeah. Uh, yeah and whatever. so you know the market makes. If, if you bought Microsoft and shares went down, would you be wrong? Not necessarily. It just you know you may have to wait till the market recognises the value you think you see, and it goes and it goes up. If it was me, I would not be looking at past. I, I don't look at past share price charts at all. So ignore, throw them out. I don't care how much zeros fallen. I don't care how much Google's fallen. I don't care how much Microsoft fallen. I don't care how much. I'll say catapult. Catapult's fallen. Doesn't make any doesn't make a single bit of difference to me. Mm. Like Andrew, I'm looking forward and saying, what I think this business is going to be worth in future, what its ongoing profit potential, the net present value of its discounted cash flows, <laughs> to use the horrible jargon. That's the only thing I care about. Genuinely the only thing I care about. I'm not saying I'm not persuaded by falls, of course I am. Um uh, and, and by the way, if I thought a stock the other the only thing I would say really quickly, you made the point at the beginning of this, which is um, you know, if if nothing business hasn't changed and the share price is cheaper, it's better value. That's absolutely true. So I bought some more Berkshire Hathaway shares. I don't know, 12 months ago, 20. I, don't know, I, could, I could have been 80 months ago now. Time goes too fast. These are getting old. Uh, when I bought them, I, I love I love Berkshire at a higher price. It had come down by 20, 30 percent. I was like, God, yeah, like. Seriously, <laughs> you know, just, just, just it's a low down Mazzare at that point. Not because it's going to be a spectacularly great success story, but gee, if I liked it at a higher price and it's Berkshire for all, you know, if it's, if Google falls and you liked it at a higher price, it's still bloody Google, right? Like seriously, um, that, that's, that's about as risk adjusted a, a, you know, a return as you can get if you get a cheaper price, something you already loved and it was super high quality to start with. Um, I would not try and do either, James. I would simply look across the board, ignore how far they've fallen, Um, and I would be looking for the best future potential and whether if that's a small cap catapult if it's a large cap zero if it's somewhere in between if it's Google, Microsoft then that's fantastic Um, the next lot of stocks I will buy will probably be business I already own Um, they are cheaper than they have been I've got some cash that I've saved Um, I'm probably going to invest that in stuff I already own because I like it a lot some of it's down and down quite a bit and that's great Mm. because I liked it at higher prices But I have to be careful I don't just anchor to that and say, well, it's cheaper, therefore I like it more. I mean, it's true, but if I was wrong before, I'm no no more right now. (laughs) Everything, if it goes to zero, is still 100% discount on whatever you paid for it, no matter how cheap it gets. Mm. Um, So that's just some ways to think about it. I just add
0: to all of that too. So let's say you do all of that and you do it all with great discipline and and, and great world-class analysis. In fact, Mm -hmm. analysis Mm -hmm. that turns out to be right. Let's just assume that. Um, I, I
1: think it's the first time you're talking about me, Andrew. I'm very good. <laughs> so it's going to be right, right?
0: Whatever you buy, it's going to be a good value. Um, yeah. The mistake is then, assu- <laughs> no, no, no one's saying this, but but I think a lot of us sort of feel that this should be, you know, in, if the universe was fair, this is how it should be, is yeah. that you do everything right and then you go, okay, um, let's just stick with zero for the sake of argument let's say that it's really yeah. worth 150 bucks and it's now yep. it's now 30% below that and you go i'm going to buy mm-hmm. some yep. and 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 again in my hypothetical you are right we, you are absolutely mm-hmm. right it is worth 150 bucks mm-hmm. and it's going to grow like the clappers from here don't expect that the moment you buy it that is the moment that the market goes ah <laughs> yes, ah, yes, yes you're right. right yes okay now it's a, if if you're me um, <laughs> right. it actually drops another <laughs> oh, 30 percent the day after yeah. that yep. you know yep. and then it stays there for like 18 months <laughs> um, and it just it just <laughs> yeah. shakes it shakes out the weekends every yeah. single time yeah and um, you know it's just it it, it it's just something to be aware of. Mm. Uh, It will all out in the end. It will all out in the Mm. end, but that's, Mm. that's what, that's what, that's why Buffett always says that it's not a game of intelligence. It's a game of emotional fortitude. I mean, I'm paraphrasing here. He says it differently, but but that's, that's exactly what it is because you can do everything right and get Mm. punished for it in the short term, even the medium term. (laughs) And he's really messed with your brain. You can do everything wrong and get massively rewarded for it. There are people out there who bought pictures of monkeys digital pictures of monkeys and are now millionaires. <laughs> <laughs> The world's not fair. The world's not fair <laughs> exactly what I was gonna say. The world's not fair.
1: <laughs> not uh, only that it's completely screwed up if that's true, but it is true. That's it's true,
0: point. right? And yep. so yep. You know, yep. I would say given enough period of time <laughs> that you know that they will be the exception to the rule and that you know, easy come, easy there's go some, kind of thing. There's
1: some combination of your uh, buying pictures of monkeys and then your point about you know monkeys and typewriters and the works of Shakespeare. That that coalesces nicely somewhere to Does explain, it explain it? the stupidity of the world, but Does uh, it? it's we'll just, leave that we'll leave that alone. In,
0: investing is is yeah. I forget who first articulated it to me, but it, it's just mm. It's process. It's process, process, process. Focus on the pro- process. Mm. Don't focus on the immediate outcomes. I mean, obviously yeah, yeah. at a point, you need to be able to look at the results because if you've been doing it for 10 years and you've lost a lot of money, there's something wrong <laughs> yeah, with your process. But it's this probabilistic sphere that we operate in where you have the best process. The, you, you, I mean, it, you literally look look at Buffett, look at Lynch, look at mm. Graham look at any great investor that you want to look at and they've mm. got absolute mm. dogs within their history and they've had all kinds of st- I was say stupid mistakes just mistakes all the time all the time um, and that's normal and they're not mm. they're not trying to win every hand and they're not trying to win immediately every time they, they play a hand they're trying to have a process that more often than not wins mm-hmm. and it's it's a it's a bad analogy because it draws a line between this and gambling but if I'm playing If I'm playing uh, craps with loaded dice, I shouldn't Mm. expect to to win every time.
1: Right, even if they're loaded, correct. But I will keep
0: playing and I I am smart to keep playing, right? And I will play for as long as the casino lets me because probabilistically I'm going to come out eventually, you know? So that's why counting cards is such an effective technique (laughs) if you can do it uh, (laughs) on blackjack, right? Because you can just tilt the – you tilt, once you're above 51%,
1: um you you're laughing just need to keep playing massive tangent i am strongly of the belief that we draw too strong a distinction between gambling and investing Mm. and we do it because the assumption is the house always wins if you're gambling one of the traditional gambling games you're going to get done Yep, and that's absolutely true the same is by the way true if you're the patsy at the table of investing as much as is of poker Brian Buffett's quote about the pat being, you know, if you mm. don't know who the patsy is, the table mm. is, you're the patsy. Mm. It's true of investing as well. Mm. If you're playing a game, you don't know the rules, you don't understand what you're doing, you're going to get taken to the cleaners. Now, if you're silly enough to put large amounts of money at a table and not have an edge against the casino, that's just dumb. Like, it's, mm. you know, it's a negative expected outcome. And I get why people make the distinction. But professional gamblers are not so different to professional investors. No. And I think that's, you know, we as investors are all about the probability of success and the return if we're right. And that is that is that's statistics, right? And yes, the mug punter who puts fifteen dollars on the orange, you know, greyhound vest on a Saturday night at Dapto. Okay, well that's not, you know, that's the same as the person who buys the the monkey pictures or you know, plays silly buggers on um, uh, you know, on the on the on the ASX day trading, mm. right? That's not. Neither of those things are, are proper gambling or proper investing. Mm. Um, and I'm not saying it it is the same thing, but I think I think we lose something if we exclude the language of gambling because it's a really well understood idea of what are my chances of winning Mm. and how much do I win if I do win Mm. and that's investing that's literally investing in fact Charlie Munger himself uses this example Mm. and this is the quote we look for a horse with one in two chance of winning and pays three to one yep that's the point right you will still lose half the time but when you win you win more than enough to cover your bets and you make a positive expected return that's that's exactly even even munger himself the the probably the most cantankerous and uh, <laughs> and uh, straight shooting investor of our time um that's his quote and i think it's exactly the right quote because it puts it in language that we all understand don't about negative present and uh, net present value of discounted of cash flows just straight out yeah you're looking for you're not gonna win every time you're looking for a chance of winning one in two is enough 50 percent chance of winning who wants that well if you get paid three to one when you win you do that deal every day same as your loaded, loaded craps does. It's the same things over and over again. So yeah. I, I really honestly do, I get that people say that it's different and it is different, um, but then say, can I, can I finish the rest of this quote? He says, in other words, we're looking, this is, you listen to Munger's words, in other words, we're looking for a mispriced gamble. Mm-hmm. That's what investing is. Mm-hmm. And you have to know enough to know whether the gamble is mispriced. That is literally the story. So, again, yeah. you know, I'm not saying we should, we should think that investing the same as poker or investing the same as, you know, putting money on the pokies or, or betting on the dogs, it's not. But the idea, the concept behind the probability assessment, understanding the odds and understanding the return, that is investing. Yeah. And that's, that's a really important distinction for mine. And I think we've gone miles away from the question, but it, it's just, a, you know, it, it's the future prospects of any business you buy, which matter. And trying to find the one with the best future prospects relative to the current price, that's what it is. That's so the ga- that's the
0: game. And, and of course, you're not going to know what, it's only a, an correct, infor- correct. at best an informed guess as to, yes. you know, we've just, I've just, well, I've just said before, I think zero's got a big bright future. Well, it could be bankrupt in three years from now. I don't yep. know. I don't know. Who, who knows? That's I mean, right, it, it, it's
1: entirely possible. I don't think so. But Which stranger also, things will happen. It's also, by the way, why it is a close to gambling because there are unknown outcomes. You can't know. Again, people talk about investing like, oh, it's easy to put this equation together. There are the usual suspects you and I both know well mm-hmm. who say, well, just put the numbers in the this, in this spreadsheet and when the number pops out and it's positive, then you buy the shares and that's how easy it is. Mm. The, 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 the presumption and the, frankly the, I'm going to use my words carefully, um, they're doing a massive disservice to a whole lot of people by pretending this stuff is knowable because it makes it seem like you just have to know the formula to win. And it's it, it's a massive disservice, almost to the point of frankly dishonesty. Or uh, I just uh, think at some point it's misleading. I just think
0: I just think they're just so wonderfully nice of them to have a formula <laughs> to turn lead into gold, and instead of using it, they sell the formula. I mean, what a How nice thing to do! You know, that's yeah, so that's. Great. I'm not that nice. It. If I if I had that formula, I no. would just I would just use it personally. <laughs> But I, I'm I'm a selfish, inward-looking person. But these other Lucky people, those people are nice to us. For yeah. only X dollars per year, they will give you access to this <laughs> machine that makes. Well, what wonderful people,
1: you know. Simple formula. Simple formula. Yeah,
0: yeah. Hey, um, I, so you mentioned before it's like the mm. patsy at the table. Yes, and it's made me think. I've I've, I've mm. heard that obviously for a while, then. it. Mm. I think it mm. is worth asking yourself from time to time. Well, what's my edge? What gives me the yeah, right to think that. I'm not yep. the, the patsy? And yep. I think the the where you have to be careful of, if your edge, is, as you measure it, is mm. I'm just smarter than everyone, mm. Mm. you might want to check yourself a little bit there because you may be smart, but there's some very, very, very intelligent people in this space. So it's not a question of being smart or not, are you the smartest, the most well-informed, best resourced? Probably not when you're up against MIT yep. graduates with ten different oh, PhDs in a supercomputer, absolutely. right? Like, yep. just, I'm, yep. not, I'm not trying to be critical, but you know, it's a big, wide, scary world out there, and you might have an IQ of 200, but there's there's always going to be someone with an IQ of 250, right? So, Correct. so, so I think if that's your edge as you perceive mm-hmm. it, you need to be careful. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what's what's my edge? I think my yeah. edge is um, I've got uh, a much longer time preference, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. I'm just I'm just I'm able to wait. Um, and i'm able mm-hmm. to temperamentally i'm able to volatility slides off my back like yep. like like water yep. off a duck i only yeah I won't, I won't pretend that it's i'm completely immune to it but i've been doing it long enough where i, <laughs> I don't lose any like you know i've had a, i've mentioned before i mean mm. the last 12 months has not been great for my portfolio like, literally yeah. Yeah. it's actually come back quite a bit in the last 6 weeks or so mm. but i you know I'm, I'm probably 20% poorer than i was last year i sleep perfectly yeah. well it's it happened to me a lot of times before so i think that's that's an edge that i have mm. And I think the other edge that I have is I'm just prepared to read a bit more than the average punter. So I don't, I don't need to be the smartest person in the room. Mm, mm. I just need to be in that top 40, 50%. You know what I'm saying? So it's like I know if I'm up against most people who are looking at a chart and are trying to make a, a bit of a gamble yep. over the next few weeks <laughs> – and yeah. all I've done is just taken the time to read the last three or four annual reports and you <laughs> know right. I'm I'm, all, I'm yeah. just massively ahead not because' I'm, I'm yep. a genius I've just I've just yep. I've just put the work in and I know that a lot mm-hmm. of people haven't so if you're prepared to put the work in if you've got if you've got a very long time horizon and you're not going to be shaken out every time there's a little bit of a wobble which there's <laughs> always going to be yes. that I think those three things alone give anyone of any average capacity, Every chance to do extremely well over a long period of time. Now, if if, if you don't, have – and you've got to be honest with yourself, if you don't have that temperament, mm-hmm. if you couldn't be asked putting in, in any uh, kind of, of, of work, um, yep. then then it's not for you. And that's just just be honest with yourself.
1: Mate, I love that. I think, um, yeah, for for me, it's two things: temperament and time frame. Yeah, I'm not. I have said regularly. And I don't say this. It's a it's a nice line. I use it regularly. I don't, I'm, but I'm not kidding. I'm really the smartest bloke in the room. I can be ruined by myself and I'm not the smartest bloke in the room. Right? Like I just, and I don't I don't have to be. That that's the thing, like it's not yeah, you but you don't. know the benefit of that? The benefit of that, like I'm half smart, don't get me wrong. But the benefit of that is I don't try and prove that I'm smart. There are so many people trying to prove they're smarter than the other guy. And yeah. again, we say as we regularly say, I say guy deliberately in a male sense, because what these Blokes all do. <laughs> that's right? We're right, yeah. all we're all, we're all trying to prove how smart we are. And yeah. and the smartest guy in the room wants to prove he's the smartest guy in the room by doing the smartest stuff. And be clever than the other guy and, and you know, it, it's just absolute garbage. Can I can it's, I
0: encourage people go to Google uh, long-term capital management, <laughs> yeah. LTCM? This was a hedge yeah. fund put together by literally <laughs> yes. a bunch of uh, Nobel Prize laureates.
1: Twelve Nobel laureates. In Twelve the Nobel. So some Twelve. of the
0: smartest people in finance and <laughs> economics. Um <laughs>
1: Anyway, I'll let, I'll, let, it, I'll let
0: you read the story. You know, it didn't end well, it, and the, and the, and, and I'm not well. saying oh they weren't really smart. No, they were oh. whip smart. I oh mean, yeah, they they you know they 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 you, you could give them a bottle of tequila <laughs> and they'll still you know run circles around <laughs> me on my best but my best day, right? Um, uh, but it wasn't. It was not. A, it turned out it wasn't. A, it wasn't a great yeah. edge, you know. And yeah. you've got I, I've 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 done a million events over the years where. Yeah. with ASX or the Australian Shareholders yeah. Association. And it's always some little old lady who mm-hmm. comes up and starts talking to you and you dig into their story and realise that they're sitting on a squillion dollars because they just yeah. bought a bunch of stuff <laughs> and held it. Like, and yet here's this <laughs> other guy with 15 screens oh, my, in front of him and thinks honestly, he's the smartest thing in the world. He was like, uh, you know, grandma over there has just run circles around you and yeah. and always yeah. will because they have that, lo- that lo- lower time preference and, and uh, yeah. you know, just doing the smart things. For those who want
1: to read a book, uh, look up When Genius Failed by Roger Lowenstein. Oh, yeah, great. Um, great book. It's up on my, my book shelf and now. I'm looking at it now. Uh, great book about long-term capital management. Well worth it. Mm. So look, my, you know, I'm not the smartest bloke in the room ever. Um, the benefit of that is I don't try to be like, I'm not, I'm not obsessed by showing how smart I am. I just have no interest, right? And- if you're trying to, if you do it for ego, you do doing it because there's a tip on the shoulder, you do doing it because you want to prove you're the smartest person in the world, you are gonna send yourself broke. It's just, mm-hmm. it's just the it's the world's most stupid starting mm-hmm. point to be an investor. Instead, I just want to make money, right? And I don't want to make obscene amounts of money. I'm not trying to be the I'm not trying to have the highest returns every year either. Because I'm not gonna stretch that far because you know the higher the degree of difficulty, the larger, the greater the chance you're gonna have a massive, massive blow up. So what am I doing? I'm doing the basic things, hopefully relatively right with a very good, you know, if I have, if I have an advantage, I will say like Buffett, not to make myself sound like Buffett, because Buffett is a, Vip is a certified genius, right? I'm not I'm not Buffett. But, but Andrew and I and Buffett share one thing in common, which is probably only one thing, uh, not his wealth, is um, <laughs> it, temperament, right? You just, just see it through. Stay the course. Mm. And it's so easy to say, it's really bloody hard to do. The other thing is time frame. You're competing out there against people who want to make their soccer up in a day or a week. Fund managers who have to report quarterly, Mm-hmm. Fund investors You see, see Magellan Financial It's having a massive run on funds under management right now Why? Because the lemming started running And no one wants to be the last person invested in Magellan mm-hmm. So everyone's pulling their money out Month after month after month They're running away from Magellan it, it, it's, I've got to say I don't have a lot of love lost for fund managers Because they get played very well And they, they choose the game they want to play And that's fine But they've got a problem I don't have They've got people who want their money back Every three or six months mm. Right and and frankly, when they want their money, it's when the shares are underperforming because that's when the, that's when people lose confidence. I can stay the course. I can see it through. As Andrew said, you buy shares and they go down thirty percent. That's all right because mm-hmm. I've got the time frame. And I've got the temperament. I'm going to see it through. Doesn't mean I'm always going to be right, but it makes a massive, massive, massive difference if you can literally stay the course. Um, I don't. They're my edges, mate. Mm. Quite literally, they're my edges. I, I don't know more about any of the companies I follow than anybody else, or, or than most. There, there's. I'm not. I'm not the. I'm not the world's foremost expert in any business I own. I'm probably not the top ten percent of experts in the businesses I own. There are insiders and, ex- and executives and shareholders and well, if I know more about some of these businesses. I don't. As you say, I don't have to be. That's the thing. You know, you just got to know more than the average bear about those businesses and be prepared to see it through, and and have the courage of your convictions. And that's not common at all Buffett was asked or Buffett Munger asked at a Berkshire AGM I think I mentioned this before you know uh, aren't you worried people are going to copy your strategy and, and all of a sudden your returns are going to dry up because you can't find opportunities and I think it was Munger or it could have been Buffett one of them said the other one we've been doing this for 40 years and no one's bothered to copy us yet. <laughs> I love that yeah you know why because because Buffett Munger's style is not cool no it's too you simple you can't it's too simple you can't cash ego checks mm. doing it that way mm. You can only cash ego checks with big swings on, you know, little rubbish or day trading or, or you know, or whatever else. Buffett's point was: we we go to the office, we read, we invest, and we go home. There's nothing, there's nothing sexy about that. The money's great, but there's nothing sexy about it. So no one's no one's copying them. Why? Because that it just doesn't fit anyone's worldview. And it's great for Buffett Munger. It's great for the rest of us who do this. The you know weirdly enough, this podcast we listened to by a tiny fraction, probably justifiably, a tiny fraction of Australia's investors. Most of them out there will do terribly. And you know what? I'm not saying our, our listeners will necessarily do be better, though I have a suspicion they will. Um, it's just not cool enough. It's not fun. It's not trendy. It's not FOMO. It's not whatever. Just do the regular things regularly, compound over time, add it every year. Add a bit more, add a bit more, add a bit more, add a bit more. The Vanguard Index chart I talked about on Friday. Yeah. Add a bit more, add yeah. a bit more, add a bit more
0: pretty straightforward um, but a few I, people I've, do it i've got to put it i'm desperately trying to google it while you're speaking about it it's something <laughs> another great buffett quote um uh, mm. munger mm. quote and he just he just slaps you in the face with it it seems really sort of pretty <laughs> yep. pretty pretty blunt but it's like any investor who's not prepared to take a 50% drawdown two or three mm. times over their investment journey is is not fit to hold stocks <laughs> which yeah, is right. like oh yep. okay tell me what you really think but it's true it's true like uh, <laughs> brace yourself for that because it'll happen like e- even you know even a 20 or 30% is is pretty yeah. pretty rough but yeah. there's there's a pretty look if history is any guide there's a pretty good chance mm, that over mm, the next mm. 30 40 years that that'll happen a couple at least a couple of times um and yes. it certainly happened to buffett and munger a bunch of times and yeah. their record sort of yeah. speaks for themselves it just just yeah. But 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 again, they they did the smart thing when everyone else was panicking, and, and that's that's it's so easy to say. It kind of, we're not saying anything new here. I just no, I
1: know. That's it's like different. it's like a friend yep. of mine who says yep. it's
0: like shaving. Doesn't matter how well you do it, you've got to do it again the next day, right? It's just sort of yeah. You, yeah. It is it is a bit like you you've got to preach and say the same things, and it's yeah. as much for I think ourselves. We sort of come in here as therapy to sort of mm. say it, mm.
1: <laughs> <laughs> convincing hey, I found ourselves. Your quote. Yeah. I found your quote. Oh yeah, what 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 is it? Here you go. It quote, if you're not willing to react with equanimity to a market price decline of 50%, two or three times a century, that's it. You're not fit to be a common shareholder, and you deserve the mediocre result you're going to get cool. compared to people who do have the temperament, who can be more philosophical. About these market fluctuations, as yeah, you say, yeah, uh, very straight. Uh, about don't deserve, but uh, but the point, the point is nevertheless valid. That's the that's the that's the ticket to the dance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it really is. Yeah. Hey, ask yourself as we close up, the dear listener, if the market fell fifty percent tomorrow, what do you what would you do? Two reasons I'm asking that. Firstly, I hope the answer will be I'll keep investing. Secondly, if you haven't thought this through yet, do it now before the market falls fifty percent. By the way, it fell 38% during COVID. So we've been there relatively recently. Mm-hmm. But literally ask yourself, if you woke up on Monday morning and some major thing was happening, the ASX closed 50% lower than it opens tomorrow, what would you do? And you need to make your peace with that. One way or the other. By the way, if the answer is I would sell everything, sell now, please sell now. Do do something else with the money, right? Because the only thing worse than not investing $100, dollars is investing hundred dollars, have it turn to fifty, and then selling and taking out fifty bucks? Because that's just madness, right? That is, if you if you do that, send me a check for half your wealth, keep the other half. If you if you're going to prepare to lose the money, and walk away, but you've got to make your peace with that reality because it will be a reality. And how you're going to react? Because you have to know and know yourself. Don't pretend. Oh no, I I'm very clever. I would do this. Know yourself. I was know f- what you would do. And if it's not, you don't do it. Like seriously, I was going to say though, right? I was, yeah. was going to say that no one goes. I would panic and sell. Right, Great. like
0: no one says that. Oh, I would, I would buy more. There's something. <laughs> there is something. Yeah. You, I feel as though, uh, uh, probably right. You, 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 it's something that can't be taught. Mm. It's something mm. that has to be experienced. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I yeah. genuinely think um, that's probably true. I think the best time to, is, is, for this to be experienced is early on in your investing career. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. You don't have a lot of money, and yeah, you know yeah, you can you yeah. can yeah. you yeah. can have that experience, yeah. and then it yeah. just sets you up. It is <laughs> the best thing that can happen to a new investor mm. Mm. is to yes. is to yes. have a year or so of incredible gains yes. followed by a massive rug pull. <laughs> and 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 that will suck, and yeah. and yeah. but it is great. I I'm, I am so thankful. I've said it before. I started just before mm. the tech wreck mm. in two thousand, yeah. and and uh, it was it was the best thing that I lost. Look, what was it? I it was a pittance it. of money because I didn't have two cents to rub Correct, together. But yeah. for me at the time, yeah. it was everything. But it was the best thing that ever happened to me. Mm. Um, mm. So if you if you are one of these people who are new to the market and you yep. started investing in in twenty twenty, and then you know you've yep. had this last twelve month sort of experience. Mm -hmm. See it as a good thing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The worst the worst the worst result that you can what most people do (laughs) they go, Oh, this sucks this is mm. this is a con I, I knew I shouldn't have done it it's, a, it's all a casino <laughs> and then they never do it again that's, that's and the that's the worst lesson.
1: part of it because that, that's the flip side of that right some people yeah. will say they gotta have been through that I'll know next time yeah some people will say I hate that if I've been through it and never will do it again and that's never that's, ever ever people, doing probably, again. people do that at the GFC yeah a lot of people do that at the GFC yeah. and okay, well, by the way um, back to superannuation as a question mate my suggestion for those people is unless you know that you know that you know, Put extra money in super instead. You know, the matter of the key benefit, yes, you lose the opportunity cost of being able to spend it otherwise. Mm. You know, the opportunity benefit, which is not a phrase, but I've just invented it. Can I, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll trademark that, opportunity benefit. <laughs> the opportunity benefit is if it's in super, you can't touch it, Yeah. right? Like really honestly, like really honestly, the, the benefit for super, a lot of people is like, oh my God, the market's crashed. I should sell my share. Oh, I can't. I should have my super out. Oh, I can't. Excellent. Yeah. The yeah. the system is doing you a massive favor because when the market comes back, and by the way, when your employer contributions keep going in every single month or quarter, wherever it is, and buys more shares for you regardless, that is the opportunity benefit. I've just invented a phrase, mate. Can nice. I try it? I like someone's it. Someone's probably done it before me, but but uh, that, that it's and it's a real benefit, so just keep that in mind as yep, well. Yep, yep, yep. Oh, we've rabbited on. Should we call it quits? <laughs> we got through three questions, did we? Um, <laughs> but very, very well. Yeah, yeah. We did a wonderful job answering them with panache and skill and we, we finished anyway. Yeah, we got there. Yeah. Step down from For those the two p- of you who are still listening, that's <laughs> you might have to help, hand me down, but I'm a very long way up right now. <laughs> I got so high up that high horse, mate. I've got, I've got horses on horses right now. Will you come back on Friday? Oh, yeah, looking forward to it. Thank you for listening to us, Rabbit on. We hope it's been useful as always. You can send your emails and questions to us, info at fool.com.au. I won't waste any more of your time with the socials, but if you want to send us an email with a question, info at fool.com.au. Go to strawman.com. Go to fool.com.au and enjoy your week. We'll see you Friday. Full on. See you later.